0: chapter 13 part 1 of the russian storybook retold by richard wilson this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the russian storybook containing tales from the song cycles of kiev and novgorod and other early sources retold by richard wilson chapter 13 the vasily the turbulent part 1 Peace had no charm for Vasily of Novgorod the Great, but where there was fighting to be done, there he was at his best and happiest. Rest and ease had no attraction for him, but where the rover wandered there was the place of his journeying. His father, however, had lived in peace with the men of Novgorod the Great, and had died leaving to his widow and his only son a great store of treasure, a wide palace with a lofty tower and a cellar full of green wine without price. When Vasily had reached the age of seven years, his mother sent him to learn to read and write, for she longed to curb his fiery spirit with the rain of reflection which learning places upon the violent. And Vasily, being of a determined disposition, applied himself to learning with a will, so that he succeeded better than all the scholars who studied by his side. But reading and writing did not curb his fiery spirit, nor even church singing in which he also excelled and he could pass from the cathedral and the singing of holy songs to noisy brawls in the streets in which he cracked heads as if they were nuts. He was so strong and thoughtless that even his friends ran down side paths to avoid meeting him, for it was said that he had one day torn out a young man's arm in the act of shaking hands with him, and had stricken another to the ground by clapping him playfully upon the back. As Vasily grew up, his vigorous pranks began to terrify the good people of Novgorod, who came to his widow mother to beg for protection against her son. She was a peaceable, gentle lady who was greatly alarmed at the strength which her son was developing, and she upbraided him with tears in her eyes. "'My son,' she said, "'why do you delight in going about the city making cripples? "'At your age your father had no treasure to speak of, but he had a band of brave bodyguards, and he was a wise leader among men and a judge among the people of Novgorod the Great. "'These gentle words displeased Vasily greatly, and instead of restraining him moved him to greater mischief.' Men shall speak of my might, he muttered as he left his mother, and in after years shall boast even in Novgorod of the heroic deeds of their own townsmen, aye, even if I crack hundreds of their own thick skulls for them. They will remember me when they have forgotten men of wisdom and of safe judgment. Then he proceeded to win his reputation. He went up to his own room in the top of his lofty tower and sat down at the table to write on a scroll of parchment but it was no psalm or cathedral hymn which the turbulent scholar wrote it was an invitation to a feast and ran thus whosoever wishes to eat savoury viands ready to his hand and without cost to himself as well as to drink green wine of priceless value and to wear embroidered robes of the best let him come to the court of a at once and instantly he wrote out this invitation many times and then gathering up the scrolls went to the open window here he fitted each of the parchments to a stout arrow and shot them into the city which was about two miles away. And as the men of Novgorod came from church, they gathered up these strange missives in the street and lanes and broad paving courtyards. Many of them wondered, and they came together in groups gravely discussing the marvelous matter, until a priest came along from the church and read one of the scrolls which was attached to the arrow. Then the word buzzed around the town, Vasily the turbulent commandeth us to an honorable feast.' and the men of Novgorod the Great thought that now their chance had surely come to pay off the long score against the man who troubled the peace of their trading city. Meanwhile, Vasily was making preparation for his guests, and he meant to use the occasion to select for himself a brave bodyguard. To test for admission to this very select and honorable company was to be so severe that Vasily would be perfectly sure of gaining protectors of the bravest. He rolled a great cask of green wine from the vaults and set it up in the middle of the banquet hall, saying to himself, whoever shall lift in one hand a cup of this wine and shall drain it at one breath and shall likewise stand upright after a blow from my cudgel of red elm shall make one of my brave bodyguard. Then he went to his room in the top of the lofty tower and lying down upon his heroic bed of smooth planks slept the sleep of Ilya the old Cossack. The next morning, very early, his widow mother passed the passages of her palace and changed to look out upon the broad courtyard. To her surprise, she saw that it was crowded with a great company of the men of Novgorod. In trembling haste, she ascended the tall tower and roused her unruly son from his heavy sleep. "'Do you sleep, Vasily?' she said, "'and take your ease and care nothing for the peril which is even now at your gates? "'See, a company of angry men make your courtyard as black as a raven's wing.' The young man at once sprang to his nimble feet, grasped his great club of red elm in his white hands, and went out into the wide courtyard. "'Ho there, Vasily!' the turbulent shouted some of the foremost of the guests." We have come to your banquet and are determined to eat up all your stores of food, to drink up your green wine, to wear your embroidered robes, and then drag forth your golden treasures. The tone of the acceptance of the invitation could scarcely be described as polite, and it roused the hot blood of Vasili the Turbulent. He leapt forth into the courtyard, grasped his club of red elm with a firm grip, and began to brandish it. Wherever he swung it forward, an open lane appeared among the crowd, and when he drew it backward he made an alley. Soon the men of Novgorod were lying in great heaps in the courtyard, while the rest went back to the town, and Vasily climbed once more to his chamber at the top of the tall tower. After a while there came a black-browed handmaid to the door of the chamber, and calling Vasily outside she told him that the new trader wished to join his bodyguard, and Vasily came down to the hall where the young man stood near the great vat of green wine. He was a comely youth, with black curls upon a white brow, and blue eyes which looked over into the distance as if he sighted new lands afar off, and cared not for the trodden ways. As soon as he saw him standing there proudly erect, Vasily advanced swiftly upon him, grasping his great club of red elm, and smote him a stunning, staggering blow. But the young man was neither stunned, nor did he stagger. He stood firm under that heavy blow, the black curls upon his forehead did not move, and the wine from the full cup in his hand was not spilt. "'Is my strength waning?' cried Vasily in despair. And then, as if to test it, he raised the club again and brought it down upon a white and burning stone which lay at his feet. The hard stone was shivered to atoms, and Vasily laughed grimly as he turned to the new trader. Drain off the green wine at a breath, he commanded, and the young man did so. Hail, new trader, cried Vasily the turbulent. You shall be of my bodyguard from this day forward. Then there entered the hall two young men of the town, one of whom was known as the lame and the other as the hunchback and in spite of their infirmities these two stood the severe tests of vasili and were admitted to his bodyguard in this strange manner did vasili the turbulent choose his brave bodyguard of three men only three men and no more enter now my palace of white stone said the hero and there we will feast on the best that my larders can afford and while we eat together i will tell you how i shall entertain the men of novgorod the four heroes sat down to the white tables and vasili sat in the great corner They were waited upon by the black-browed maiden, and when the meal was nearly over, Vasily unfolded his plan for his next banquet. His bodyguard laughed gently as they heard of his purpose, and the next day they went out into Novgorod to invite the leading men to come and partake of the hospitality of Vasily the Turbulent. They came in a great crowd and found the tables prepared for a banquet, being filled with dishes and huge cups, but there was only one waiting maid, the girl of the black brows, to attend upon this great company. As soon as the guests were seated and Vasily had taken his place in the big corner, the black-browed maid brought steaming dishes and foaming tankards and placed them before her master and his bodyguard. But she placed neither food nor drink before the men of Novgorod, who were very hungry, for the wind was keen and the world was white. Now when the citizens saw that they were mocked by Vasily and his bodyguard, and even by the black-browed servant-maid, they were spitefully angry and cursed their host and his men. But this only made the four jokers laugh the louder, whereupon the guests arose and crowded out into the snow-covered courtyard rather more hungry than when they came in we will not forget this vile insult piped one small citizen in a mantle of marten skins with a collar of sables why my neighbour was full of spleen because of my invitation to the lord's castle and when the story is known his pity and scorn will be much worse to bear than his spleen but we shall repay Vassili in his own bad coin let us make such a feast as the citizens of novgorod have never seen before and we will not send vasili an invitation that is a good thought said two stout citizens and they all went home with their heads so high in the air that some of them slipped down on the way upon some slides that certain wicked boys who would assuredly never grow up to be councillors, had made in the roadway in a few days the feast was prepared and the invitations were issued but there was no bidding for vasili and his contemptible bodyguard it was impossible that the preparations for the banquet should escape the vigilance of vasili and indeed the merchants agreed that it would be well if he did hear of it. Otherwise, said one of them, who had made a great fortune by buying and selling rags and bones, how can he be humbled? For look, you neighbors, if he does not know of the feast, he will not miss our invitation. That is so, said the others. That is indeed so, and true, and wise, and intelligent. Our friend must be the next elder of Novgorod the Great. So the servant-maid of the rag-merchant told the servant-maid of another trader, who told the black-browed maid at the castle, only to find that she knew all about it already, for her master had told her two days before. "'Mother,' said Vasily that morning, "'I shall go to the feast of the men of Novgorod.' "'My dear child,' said the old lady, "'there is always room for the guest who is bidden, but none for the guest who is unbidden.' But her gentle counsel placed no restraint upon Vasily, who, when the time came, summoned his bodyguard and walked straight into the banquet hall, asking no leave of the gatekeepers nor yet of the lackeys at the doors he strode forward to the wall bench in the great corner by the stove and sat down there to wait his turn to be served no man present dared withstand him and he glared down the table in such a ferocious manner that many of the citizens burnt their tongues by forgetting to blow upon their broth ah well said one of them as he made a brave attack upon a great sirloin of beef vasili may be here but he wasn't invited while we were invited in fact i invited myself Ah, yes, piped the small rag merchant, who wore a coat of greater value than any. We were invited, but he wasn't. And with this consolation they went on with their feasting, Vasili being served as nobly as the rest with meat of the richest and wine of the greenest. As the banquet went on, the spirits of the citizens arose, and the small rag merchant began to think that he might some day be bold enough to challenge even Vasili to mortal combat. As for the turbulent lord himself, he stood up when the merriment was at its height and issued a mighty challenge. He would go, he said, with his brave bodyguard on the following day to the bridge over the Volkov river, and he would hold his own against all the men of Novgorod. Then he stalked from the room and across the snow-covered streets to his own palace. At the doorway he was met by his widow mother, who noticed at once that he was aroused to turbulent anger. Did they pass you with the dishes, she asked, or did they jeer at you? Vasily was too much moved to reply, but the bodyguard told her all the truth. Then the widow mother put her shoes upon her bare feet, cast her mantle of fine sables over her cold shoulders, and went her way down, down to the deep vaults below the palace. There she heaped up a bowl with rich red gold, another with white silver, and a third with fine seed pearls. And having called the black-browed maiden, who came from her room with hair unbound and feet all bare, the two women crossed the white courtyard and passed along the silent streets until they came to the hall where the citizens were finishing their banquet. The widow-mother went forward to the great corner with the black-browed maid close behind her, and holding out the glittering bulls, said to the chief citizens, Hail ye, men of Novgorod! Forgive now the fault of Vasily, my turbulent son. But the citizens were now so filled with the courage born of rich food and green wine, that they thought themselves superior to bribes. And with drunken scorn they refused the gifts of the peace-loving mother, and said with a great show of spirit, If we shall be able to take Vasily, we will ride his good steed, wear his embroidered garments, and take, but not as a gift, all his rich red gold, his white silver, and his fine seed pearls. We will pardon him freely when we shall have cut off his turbulent head. Then the widow mother went home in great grief and sadness, scattering as she went upon the frozen snow the rich red gold, the white silver, and the fine seed pearls, saying to herself as she went, Not these things are dear to me, but the turbulent head of my own dear son. Now when she came once more to her own house, she gave Vassili to drink of the cup of forgetfulness, led him down into the deepest dungeon, and locked him securely within. Then she went out into the stables and set his wild shaggy charger free to wander over the wide steppe, and taking his great cudgel of red elm, his sharp sword, and his coat of mail, she hid them where she thought no one would ever be able to find them. Early the next morning Vassili's brave bodyguard took their stand at one end of the bridge over the Volkov River. And the men of Novgorod came against them in a great crowd. All that day they fought without pause for refreshment, and for a second day and a night, and yet a third day without pause for taking breath. In the meantime Vasily slept and took his ease, knowing nothing of the straits to which his brave bodyguard was reduced. But as the black-brown maiden went to the stream for fresh water, with her buckets fastened on a maple yoke, she saw the fight by the bridge. Then she set down the buckets and, taking the yoke from her white shoulders, entered into the fray and cracked the skulls of many more citizens than she could count. After that, she ran quickly home and, coming to the door of Vasily's dungeon, cried out, Do you sleep, Vasily, and take your ease? Upon there, upon Volkov Bridge, your brave bodyguards stand as prisoners of the men of Novgorod, their feet in blood, their heads broken with whips, and their hands bound with their own girdles. Open this pestilent door, roared Vasily, and I will give you as much treasure as you desire in return for the displeasure of your mistress. The black-browed maiden needed no bribe to urge her to obey. With one stout blow of her maple yoke she broke the heavy lock, whereupon she set her white shoulder against the door, which creaked and then gave way under her young strength. So Vasily came out once more into the white world, and as he could not find his warlike gear he wrenched the iron axle from a cart which stood in the empty stable, threw it over his shoulder, and said, "'I thank you, maiden, that you did not let my brave bodyguard perish. Hereafter I will repay you, but now I must not tarry.' "'Haste, oh haste!' said the black-browed maid, "'and give no thought to reward for me. It is enough for me to be the handmaid of a man who loves a fight against odds.' In a short time Vasily came to the Volkov bridge and found all as the black-browed maid had told him. "'Ah, my brave bodyguard!' he cried. "'You have breakfasted well. Now let me dine.' It was not I, my band of brothers, who betrayed you, but my own mother. With a mighty forward sweep of the iron axle he made a lane through the crowd of citizens, and with a backward stroke he made an alley. Then he loosed the bonds of his brave bodyguard and said to them, Go now, my brothers, and rest while I play with these children from Novgorod. Thereupon he began to stride about upon the bridge, brandishing his axle, and the men of Novgorod fell in great heaps about him. At this the leaders drew off unobserved and went with the elder at their head to the peace-loving widow mother, begging her to calm her wild son before he had completely wiped out all the citizens of Novgorod. But she said, I dare not do that, human of Novgorod, for I did him grievous wrong by confining him in a dungeon and sowing distrust of his valor in the hearts of his brave bodyguard. But my son has a godfather who is known as the ancient pilgrim and who dwells in the monastery upon the hill. He is a man of discretion, for what can a woman do alone in such a strait? Ask him for help against my turbulent son. So the men of Novgorod, with the elder at their head, went to the ancient pilgrim and told him all their trouble, at which he sorrowed greatly, and he made ready at once to leave the peace of his monastery and go with them to see what he could do. Now he was known as the ancient pilgrim, but he was really a great Russian hero who was spending some time in quiet, but who had known what it was in the earlier days to stand up against a host. Hearing that there was stern fighting going on, it came into his mind that he might possibly need protection, and having no armor or helmet at hand, he climbed up very nimbly for an ancient pilgrim into the belfry, loosed the great service bell, and put it upon his heroic head. This will serve me in good stead, he said, in the place where heads are being broken. Then, finding the clapper of the bell somewhat in his way, he detached it and used it as a staff, and as he stepped across the great drawbridge which led from the monastery it bent and groaned beneath his weight. He walked straightway to Vasili and looked him squarely in the eyes. My godson, he said in a coaxing voice, curb your heroic turbulence. Spare at least a few of these men to carry on the business of the town. These words added fuel to the fire within the breast of Vassili, and he replied, Hail, Godfather, if I gave you no white peace egg at Easter yet take this red one from me on St. Peter's Day. Then he heaved up the great axle and brought it down with a resounding clang upon the great service bell on the heroic head of the ancient pilgrim, and with that single blow the life of the hero of old time was ended. His staff now served Vasily for a new weapon, and he continued to strike down the men of Novgorod in dozens and twenties. The elder and his companions kept carefully upon the outside of the throng, and when they saw the fall of the ancient pilgrim they went again to the widow mother and asked her to make intercession for them with her turbulent son. So she dressed herself in a robe of black, threw a cloak of fine sables about her shoulders, set a helmet from her husband's armory upon her aged head, and went to plead with her son. She did not, however, as the ancient pilgrim had done, walk straight up to Vasily and look him squarely in the eyes. She crept up behind him and laid her trembling hands upon his mighty shoulders, entreating him to spare the men of Novgorod in his wild anger. And at the sound of her gentle voice Vasily dropped his arms. The bell-clapper fell from his hands upon the lap of moist Mother Earth, and he said in a gentle voice, Lady Mother, you are a cunning old woman and a wise one, too. Well, you knew how to break my power by coming at me from behind, for if you had approached me from before, I should not have spared even you in my anger. So blinded was I with fury against these traitors of Novgorod. The elder and the counsellors now took heart, and having conceived a tremendous respect for Vasily, came forward and prayed that he would be their honoured guest at a banquet, where he should sit in the great corner and eat and drink of the best, Vasily consented to go with them, but he felt ill at ease at the banquet, for he was the only fighting man there, and had no conversation for traders. So he slipped away from the feast as soon as he could, and went home to his widow mother and his brave bodyguard. And he sat among them by the stove until long past midnight, talking of many things which had happened and of things which were to come. When our wounds are healed, said Vasily, I will build me a red ship with delicate sails of white linen and launch it upon the bosom of Ilmen Lake and with my brave bodyguard I will go pray in Jerusalem City, to worship at the Holy of Holies, to visit the grave of the risen Christ, and to bathe in the Jordan River. In a short time the red ship was built and sailed proudly upon the bosom of Ilmen Lake. Vasily walked the decks while his brave bodyguard managed the sailing, and as the sun shone on the sails of white linen the heart of the hero filled with pride. Set the sails towards the town of Novgorod, he cried, and in a short space of time they caught the shore, Threw out gangways to the bank, and having left a watch behind on the ship, came into the town and thence to the palace of Vasili. The hero sought out his widow mother and gently folded his strong arms about her trembling form. Lady mother, he said in persuasive tones, give me your sacred blessing, for with my brave bodyguard I will go pray in Jerusalem City, to worship at the Holy of Holies, to visit the grave of the risen Christ, and to bathe in the Jordan River. Ah, my son, his mother made answer. If you go with a good purpose, I will give you my good blessing. But if you go to rob, I will not give it. If that is your purpose, may moist Mother Earth no longer bear you. That is to be discovered and found out, said Vasily, and he persuaded his mother so that she gave him freely from the armory great stores of weapons, and from the kitchen and larder as much bread and other food as the black bread maid had prepared in a month of holy days. Then she said good-bye with tears. And the black browed maid stood upon the bank as the red ship with sails of fair white linen sailed away from Novgorod and ran out like a full breasted water bird upon the bosom of Lake Ilmen. End of chapter thirteen, part one.